On today's episode of the Nationwide Real Estate Mastery Podcast, we sit down with Vance Courtney as he shares with us how he runs a seven-figure wholesaling business that does over 100 deals a year and runs with less than 10 hours of work per week. Welcome to the Nationwide Real Estate Mastery Podcast, where we provide actionable steps to help you get your first or next real estate deal. Now, during this episode, you'll discover exactly how to run a seven-figure wholesaling business that does over 100 deals a year and runs with less than 10 hours of work per week. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, my name is Sean Young, today's host, and I love all things real estate. Now, before I introduce you to our incredible guest speaker today, I want to make a request that if at any point in the show you like what you're hearing, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And make sure to take a look in the description of this episode as we've packed it with thousands of dollars in free resources. Now, today, we have the privilege to learn from a man who has built a seven-figure real estate empire using proven systems. Prior to his career in real estate, he was a systems and software engineer. But all that changed when he decided that he had to find a faster way to retirement. I would describe our next guest as a quick implement, as a quick implementer. I'd like to introduce you guys to the one, the only, Vance Courtney. Vance, thanks for being a guest on today's show. Hey, thank you, Sean, for having me. And thank you so much for an amazing introduction. Man, we are super excited to have you today. Now, can you let our listeners know a little bit about your background and where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, born born in California, raised in Kansas. So I kind of claimed like a little awkward uh, moment there, but um, was did four and a half years in the uh, military uh, doing tech, uh, IT tech, got out, and then uh, pretty much in systems and software engineer as a uh, federal contractor all the way until about 2021. And um, yeah, started my real estate business in 2019 and uh, just kind of grew up from there. Nice, nice. Thank you for your service. What what branch did you serve in? I was actually in the Navy. Navy, nice, nice. I, I'm former Air Force yeah. myself. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man! I love it. We cover like all four branches in the family. So we like my dad was in the Army. I got a brother who was in the Air Force. A brother was in the Marine. I got the Navy. So it was just kind of covering. We had you know how fun it is with the different branches. That's for sure. Man, you sound like my family. My dad's a Marine, retired Marine as well. So I know exactly the feeling, man. <laughs> yep. Nice, nice. So can you tell our listeners how what got you started in real estate in the first place? That's a really good question. Matter of fact, when I got in the military, uh, I heard this chief tell me, hey, look, you're going to get a retirement out of your out of the military. But man, every time you move, just hold on to that property and you'll have two retirements. That's stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. So like when I was like 23, 24, I went and picked up my first home and I thought of it as a rental. Like I got the three, two. Uh, in a good school district, even though it was just myself, didn't even matter. Okay. Well, I realized I was doing that over a few years and I was like, man, this is really slow. So right around 2018, I'm like, I need to like fast track this. Like I want to get this quicker because I realized I got to do the same thing for the next 40 years. So fast forward, I was like, oh, I'm going to go buy a turnkey property out in Detroit and get a killer deal. I got a deal. It was turnkey. <laughs> tenant was in there. Long story short, two months later, tenant moved out. Copper was robbed. Stuff flooded, foundation issues, had to sell it at a mass discount, lost about 40K on the deal. 
Wow. Uh, and then I was like, all right, I've got to learn how to find the deals on how the turnkey provided. Went in and found, discovered wholesaling. And when I realized that the process of finding a deal is a very systematized method, I was like, man, why don't, why don't I just make a business on finding more of the deals? And I don't need to keep them right now. Let me just create this big system and funnel. And uh, fast forward a few years, that's exactly what we've been able to do. Man, that, that is an awesome story, brother. I, I really love the fact that, uh, you know, you lost your shirt on that deal, but you didn't you didn't give up. You didn't say, hey, this this is not for me. You said, I'm going to figure out a better way to do this. That That is key. That's key to success for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And another big lesson learned is sometimes the deals are right in your own backyard. You don't have to necessarily go looking for the, the best location for the deal. Man, man, I love it, man. And I'm I'm we're we're gonna have a great show today, guys, because Vance is actually gonna peel back the layers of his business. He's gonna share with us how he's been able to actually build his business. Now, before we actually dive into those steps on how to build a seven-figure real estate business, Vance, you, you contribute a lot of your success to your, you know, to the amazing people that you have around you. You know, why do you think this has played such a big role in your success? Yeah, because there's only so much you can do just by yourself. If I have to be straightforward, it's like it's the people I surrounded uh, all around me, from the mentors to the peers to even the employees that I have on my team. Uh, this is a team sport, no matter how you look at it. Uh, you, there's hardly any way to just do it on your own. You're going to learn from somewhere, something, somehow, and you're going to grow together. You know, as the saying goes, like, oh, you know, the tide rises, it raises all ships, right? That kind mm -hmm. of principle. Um, I really attribute to the success to the amazing people I have that are with me, believe in me, and support and uh, everything that we do. I, I truly believe, believe that one hundred percent. That I hear that a lot. I also hear the phrase that your your net worth is your your net worth is your network. Your network is your network. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Right. That's and what's really interesting about that is people will you know when I when I analyze that it's not just the people above you, but even the people that are all around you. Right. So it's it's not just like, oh, I got to know this super important person, right? That That's not it. It's everybody has a value if you look at it as everybody as an important person, right? It doesn't matter if you're working with an employee, a virtual assistant, all the way to this uh, amazing guru or, you know, mentor and all the things in, in between. Uh, that is your network, right? That is your net worth. 100%, 100%. Man, I, I love that mentality, brother. Now, listeners, what makes the Nationwide Real Estate Mastery Podcast show unique is that each and every show comes with a detailed, actionable step plan that you can actually take to get your first or next deal. That way, you can pull these steps out of this show, create a blueprint on exactly how to implement what we're covering today. All you guys have to do is visit Vance's link that's in the description to get some key take takeaways and some resources that he's generously allowed us to share with you all today. Now, as many of you guys know, the Nationwide Real Estate Podcast Mastery is a podcast that allows our guests to speak and break down exactly what they do. In the description, there will be a link. So make sure you reach that description, head on over there, reach out to our guests and, and ask them any question that you have. So Vance, let's go ahead and break this down. Can you share with our listeners what your business looks like from the, from the beginning? Sure. So like from the day one, uh, though, from, from, uh, in 2019, it was just me and my wife. It was really funny. Still working a full-time job doing this as like a, a classic side hustle and just started with sending out some mail, right? Finding out a mentor, you know, went under the wholesaling Inc. uh, course program. It was a great program to help you get to your first deal, right? It's what it's fantastic at. And I started with that. And then immediately after I started looking for more programs to keep growing and developing. 
focus on sales because that was the most critical component right after learning understanding the basics around the wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we really came and fine-tuned. And I realized that what we are is a we were a sales and marketing company, not a real estate company, uh, in the sense of finding deeply discounted properties. Because uh, you can outsource a lot of the marketing that you can't, it's a very difficult to outsource the sales, right? That connection with the seller to get a deep discounted property, um, at least for the way that we're doing this. So we're direct to seller. And right now, our main marketing channels that we're doing is the direct mail. Uh, we're doing some PPC. We have some uh, JV opportunity and then a, a joint partnership on some cold calling. So those are kind of what we have going on in our business. Our team makeup is uh, two acquisitions. Uh, we have one disposition. Uh, we have an office admin who's kind of like the runner for everything mm-hmm. and then two virtual assistants. And that's the makeup of the team in order to generate around that seven figure mark without, without any, any hiccups and problems. Um, one of my favorite parts is, is the twofold acquisition. You can probably get away with one, but the weight of the burden of doing the sales gets relieved when you have the two and it drives competition and it drives, um, the business forward. So that's the makeup of the model, kind of like where we're at right now. Got it. Got it. Um, let me ask you, are you guys doing this local to where you're at? Or are you doing the, are doing deals outside of your local market? Great question. I believe that like we're a local. However, we don't have an office. So we operate like we're virtual. We do all of our meetings through our like Google chat or Zoom equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do monthly meetups and maybe some lunches every now and then for sure. Uh, just because we are local, but it is uh, operating like it's virtual, but we're local in our own market. We go on appointments and we close deals virtually. So you can do them both. Nice, nice. Yeah. And how do you guys d- determine, you know, how to find those leads for your, you know, for your team to call on and, and you know, market out to? Perfect. So we're just going after your typical distress list, right? Go down to the county and pull these lists. So here's some of the lists that we like to go and get. We have from code violations to tax delinquent list. Uh, we'll pull some foreclosures, pre-foreclosure, the tax auction sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go down and work with the probates to get pre-probate, probate, and inheritance list. Um, we love these distress lists. These are the most popular and our evictions list as well and divorce. So if you could start pulling those records directly from the county and start heading them with whatever marketing channel. Here's a little secret about marketing channels, Sean, that I'm pretty sure you're aware of. Every marketing channel works as so long as you focus and work it, right? So when people ask direct mail or should I cold call, mm-hmm. they both work. You just got to be focused on it and focus on one channel, dominate it, and then move to the next, right? Uh, and so those are like my super hot lists. We still also have what's called our big lists that we go after, right? The absentee owner the high equity type list, right? Uh, those are the bigger lists that we'll go on and pull as well. And we'll get those from something like list source. Um, I know people that are leveraging like PropStream, et cetera. Um, but that's pretty much where we go to pull all of our stuff. I like that. I like how, I like how you said, uh, you know, you focus on, on really one channel that works because they all can work. Yes. A lot of times I hear new, new wholesalers, you know, kind of bounce around with, with, with ideas and they say, well, I'm going to try cold calling. And uh, no, I'm going to try text messaging. Oh, no, I'm going to try direct mail. And, and sometimes you're not giving yourself enough time in, in, in either of those um, spaces to actually see results or to measure any type of results for success that could be reduplicated. 100% with that. Pick one and like nail it. So here's how the duration that I like to use for these six months, right? You have to let six months go by because it takes about 90 days for a typical deal to come through. The only exception to that is PPC. 
So I don't recommend people jump right into PPC if you don't have sales skills. That's not what I what I work with when I when I help people. Mm-hmm. If you got sales skills and you know how to close and you can do that, then give it a go. It's just a very expensive lead to learn on. Okay. But direct mail and the cold calling, those are some great strategies that to bring in those leads. Uh here's a little fun tidbit here, Sean. And then I'm pretty sure you're more than aware of this, right? Is uh people are too busy trying to like close them on that first phone call or maybe one after mm-hmm. um, when 70% of our deals come through follow up. It is the multi-touch approach. It's they're not necessarily ready right away, but we cultivate and nurture the lead to close. So follow up is the name of the game. And that's why you need such a long period of time to test before marketing, even before you can even see if the marketing is working. Mm-hmm. I, I agree a hundred percent. And that's key for, for new for newbies out there um, yeah. that, that are listening, because it can be a little discouraging at first when you're getting started, but you guys have to understand that this is not a, a get rich quick overnight scheme. This is actually a, a business and uh, there's business models that, that make sense. And there's models that don't make sense. So what Vance is saying is, is golden guys. I hope you're, you're taking notes on that. That's, that's some good stuff there, Vance. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Follow up is the name of the game. There's a fun uh, saying if you ever want to remember this: the money is in the database, right? Always system. Money is in the database, guys. How how many times have you guys heard me say that the money is in the follow up? It takes us an average on eight or nine touches before we're we're you know before we're able to get what we want to get, guys. You have to have that expectation, and that eight or nine touches could be from you know one or two months to to 12 months that it takes to make that happen yeah. but you have to stay following up because if you don't someone else definitely will <laughs> and Sean I can't even say that enough we still will be closing deals that that from leads that were in 2019 when we got started man I know there's people that are out there probably with 10 years and still closing things cuz they kept they kept the the number kept following up I'm so glad to hear you say that. So many people, again, they, they just think that if, if the person says they're not ready today, that it just means that they're never going to be ready. That doesn't mean that. Motivations, situations, and circumstances change daily. Yes, they do. Now, Vance, let me ask you this. I, I know that you guys are, are using the, the marketing methods that you that you use. How do you me- what what kind of KPIs are you using? How do you know? How many people to call? How many you know leads does it take to get a deal? You know all that good stuff. What you know? What are your guys's met- metrics? Oh man! So let's make this super simple because people love to get hung up on the KPIs. And for anybody who doesn't know what like KPIs are, it just means what are your numbers, right? What, what are your numbers? numbers in the business, and what does that mean? First off, don't worry about every number that's out there. Uh, I like to just start off if I'm looking at it from a, a company standpoint, and there's multiple people, seven to 10 numbers is all you got to focus on. But at the very beginning, there's only one number that you really need to focus on, right? Starting to start off to make this super simple, because if you're not tracking this, it doesn't even matter. I want to know if you're if you're in person, I believe appointments is the number one indicator or offers that you're making. Okay. So appointments or offers, that tells me the effort that's going there. And then if I start tracking your contracts, Mm -hmm. that'll tell me the result of your effort. And then the one right before that would be what marketing pieces did you use to generate what's called and then leads and then appointments. So again, I know I hit a lot, but I want to recap again, real simple. If all you hear is this, start tracking the number of appointments or offers that you're giving. Start there and track it on a weekly basis. Because here's what I can tell you, Sean. Or actually, a question for you, Sean. Uh, if I give zero offers, how many deals will I get that week? You're going to get a big fat zero. 
<laughs> right. So that's the only number that you should, that's the most important one that, cause that gives a big indicator to, to the success and allows somebody to come in, whether it's Sean or anybody to give you a little bit of that tip and know where they're at. Now, if we're going to add on to say your past, like, okay, well, I'm tracking my offers. Okay. And you're tracking your appointments, track contracts. Mm-hmm. So the number of deals you're getting, cause that'll let you know your effort for the results. And the one right before that is leads. Okay. Now, what is a lead? I like to make this very simple because it's so debatable. And so let's make it so simple. A lead is just letting me know the marketing is working. So here's what a lead is. For inbound, it's anybody who makes a call. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they're calling to tell you to take off the list or it's spam. It lets you know that the call, that the marketing is working. It's just now not a qualified lead. And we can get into the details on all of that later, but just track your leads to your appointment ratio is super important. For outbound, it's going to be anybody who went from your prospecting system into your CRM, right? If you happen to have one system, it's the ones that kind of raise their hand or hit on one of the four pillars. I don't know if you kind of hit on this, um, but again, they have a motivation, the condition, price, or timeline seems to match up. Just one of those, right? So that gets qualified as a prospect and comes in as a lead. If I can see your leads and I can see your appointments and contracts, I can tell you where your bottleneck is. I can immediately look at and say, do you have a marketing problem, a sales problem, right? Or a dispo problem, right? Just looking at those three, because if you got a contract and then or adding on closed deals for dispo, but marketing and sales, your biggest bottleneck is going to come to marketing and sales. If you're getting a lot of contracts mm-hmm. and then we start tracking closed deals, then I know you got a dispo process, okay? So just kind of looking at everything, this is how you don't need very many KPIs. Start off with leads. Followed by appointments slash offers, followed by contracts, and then ultimately close deals. Each one of those funnels into every department. Marketing falls into sales, which falls into your dispo, right? It literally will funnel and let you know what's working. Nice, nice. Keep how, it super how, simple. And then here, here's how you track it. Yeah. A spreadsheet. Put it in a spreadsheet. Once a week, update those numbers. It's a weekly basis. Very, very simple. Read my mind. That's what I was going to ask you. How would they track it? So yep. that's, that's it. That's it. Not, nothing complicated. Matter of fact, if, if you'd like, I'll give out to your audience a very basic sheet so they don't have to go and create it and understand it all. We'll give out just those four KPIs that you need to track. And all you do is just got to go in and punch in the data once a week. That would be super awesome because those are, are key. Those are crucial. Yeah. Like you said, that's the foundation of what drives your business and how you can know if you even have a business. So that would be awesome, Vance. I would definitely appreciate that for yeah. our audience. Let me Absolutely. ask you this. In today's market, I know things are shifting and you know this as well. Um, we, we have shifted into what's called a buyer's market. How would you re- recommend a new wholesaler um, go about you know, getting started? Should they go after buyers first or, or, or should they go after the, the hot deal first? What is your suggestion? Yeah, just like with anything, I, I, and here's a great reference. Uh, I got like this is a great tip from Undercover Billionaire, right? I remember the first season, the first episode. Guy had no money, had to figure out how to get some money in, mm-hmm. and he actually fun tip. He went to went to real estate, but before that, he went and found buyers on Craigslist for tires, so he knew what they were looking for, and then he would go on the side of the road of the railroad and go pick up used tires that were used good enough that had still enough tread that he could then sell to the buyer. So he found the buyer first to then go source the deal. So that's a big tip. Now, depending on your strategy, again, there's lots of different strategies. You might hear about wholesaling 2.0, which is like go novations. 
Just know where your buyers are at and know what they're looking for. So if you're going to go list on the MLS, know what the buyers are looking at, what their numbers are, or go and outreach to the cash buyers that are still active today, right? And here's how you can go find your active buyers. Get something like PropStream or ListSource. And if you have a realtor, talk with them. Last three months of transactions that were cash deals are the most important right now. I used to do 12 months. But three months will tell you who's active in today's economy and today's market mm-hmm. and outreach those buyers and find out what they're looking for and start building your buyers list that way. Then you can easily know what the deals are, what zip codes to even start marketing to. Don't just go blanket marketing you know, to three different counties, not knowing where they're at. I would target in and hone in on the marketing strategy and make sure I'm lining up with what the buyers want. You don't want to go and find the war zone property and find a deal but nobody's buying it. And that's not a deal, right? You got to find a deal that people are willing to buy. I love it. That, that's I love how you said that because it's not a deal. A deal is not a deal if you can't get it sold or if there's no buyer for it. The, the buyers determine the market. They dictate the market for us, guys. So that those are great points, great tips. Vance, let me ask you this. Yeah. What, are, what are some of your challenges right now as an organization in today's market? Man, so the challenge that I'm having, it's not even in today's market. I feel like it's in every time. It's bringing on a really good people because your people will make or break your business for sure. Mm-hmm. So finding top talent that aligns with culture. Mm-hmm. And that's probably like always going to be a big struggle because we're trying to grow so rapidly. Um, if we were to tie this specifically to the real estate, the market and the shift, it's going back and there's a two-phased approach with sellers. It's kind of working with the sellers. First, you have to bring awareness to the seller of how the markets change. And then ultimately, there's acceptance. So that's the biggest part and why follow-up is so important because your no's at the beginning could be yeses now because they've gone past awareness into acceptance. And our goal is to bring awareness to them, to educate them, even if it's not a deal today, it might be a deal tomorrow when they come to accept that they can't get this top dollar from a realtor who overpromised, or the the brother that said your property is worth this because they saw something over a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. That's the difference of where I'm at and the challenges with the real estate, and it's getting getting your sellers from awareness to acceptance. Got it, got it. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. How are you guys comping properties? How would a new a new wholesaler, you know, figure out how to even know what a property is worth to to be able to offer it to their buyers? That's a good question, man. I do this real simple process in Zillow because in the end, I know people may not like it. It's not about the price with the seller. If they're highly motivated, it's about giving them, it's doing what we call like a needs audit and you're helping solve their pain points and you're getting a discounted property in return. Okay. However, you still got to know what's a deal, right? Mm-hmm. Very simple rule. Uh, I'll sit there and we'll go into Zoom or uh, Zillow, excuse me. And then you're going to find that property. You're going to see right where it's pinned. And then I want you to remove the boundary. You're going to draw a new boundary where you don't cross any major roads. You kind of follow. It's a thicker, wider line. You're going to kind of border all around it. You're going to hit apply. I'm going to look at the last sold over the course of three to six months. So you can pick whichever one, depending on how much data, right? But six months is a good one. Mm-hmm. And then I want to go about two to 300 square feet above whatever it's at. So if it's at 1444, I'll round it to about 1500 and I'll do 1750. And 1250, that's the range. Once I've got that range, this is literally a step-by-step process. So if you got replay this and you'll hear exactly how to do it. On the right-hand side, I want you to sort by lowest price first. And then what I do is I'll pick the bottom three 
average it out and get an 80% value of that. It's so simple that nobody has to know anything about real estate to get a quick max level offer. It's a very, very simple process where you're now really getting the as deep as possible. What you're doing is you're taking the three lowest, pretty much average square, you know, dollar per square foot and then getting it even cheaper. And that's your offer. Again, it's meant to be designed where it's simple. You don't need to know real estate in order to get a comp. I don't even know what a comp is or an ARV, right? That's what I tell when people, when I work with it, I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I'm not a realtor. I don't do that stuff. Here's what I can tell you is what's my what's my offer. I'm going to draw this circle. I'm going to do three clicks here at the top, right? And I'm going to scroll and then run an average and then do 80% of that. And that's my number. I want to get as close as possible to that. If I'm above it or below it, doesn't matter. Got, it's a starting point where it's simple because your buyers will tell you what the market is worth. Every time. Every time. Look, I don't care if you get your deal for the first time. Take it to your buyers. And then when your buyers tell you no, that's so high. You're, the very next question you want to ask is, well, what would make sense for you? Because now they're giving you the number. And they may go super low and be like, that's the most you pay. Mm-hmm. Let's say I, let's say I was at 100000 for simplicity. And they're like, no, you got to be at like fifty. That's a round number. And I, that's non-committal language with them. So you're telling me if I got this at like 65, it's a no-go. Like it, you would never do it at 65. Well, I mean, if you got it at like 65, all right, so like, but like 67, like that's it. And you're pushing to find their max. Mm-hmm. All right, well, do I have at least a verbal here? Can, can I get something in agreement that like, if I get this at 66, you will pick it up. Then you now can go back to the seller and start working with them at that lower range because now you got a solid thing. Do not renegotiate when you don't know if you have another buyer that messes with the seller. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. Uh, be a truth teller and a truth seeker. And, and again, when you do that 80%, you're coming in at a pretty good discount. Mm-hmm. And that's that's normally going to be able to sell. And again, it's, it's not perfect, uh, but I'm not looking for a sweet dollar. I, here's how I tell people: if I can't do a paper napkin, if it's a deal, it's probably not a deal. It might be a close one, but it's not a great deal. Mm-hmm. If I can do good on a paper napkin, then we can deep dive it. But if it doesn't look good on paper real quick, and I got to start fudging numbers or deep diving it, it's a thin deal. Man, great, great philosophy, man. And, and I love that saying, man, you know, be a truth teller and, and a truth seeker. You can definitely tell we, we've got a, the, the same mentor. <laughs> My audience hears right. that quite often. You know, those are those are words that you have to live by, guys. You want to, you know, operate from a high level of integrity at all times. There's no need to, to, to deviate from that, period. Now, guys, as a reminder, yeah. at any point in this show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you give us a thumbs up or subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. It's your engagement that keeps us driving this and doing it for the community for free. So let me ask you, Vance, what is your why? Why, why do you do this? You know, at first it was uh, being direct. It was uh, it was greed right at the beginning. I wanted the money for sure, right? And started doing the investments. Uh, now I'm at a point, I read this book called The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity. And uh, man, that, that helped me see the light. And I do this because of the impact I can have. Uh, I'm, I'm no longer focused on just scaling this business. I, I now do the consulting because I want to help others achieve that. Mm-hmm. And I get I get such a good feeling when I help others uh, accomplish something or that light bulb goes off. And uh, I don't know. I just love to. I just love that serving mentality. And people will ask, like, well, why why do you do that? Why do you like to help people? And the, the truth is, it's because I'm selfish. It makes me feel good. Like if, if helping people made me feel bad, I probably wouldn't do much of it, right? But I feel great when I do that. I get that emotional paycheck, that emotional high, and I and I almost go chasing after it and love to help people. So 
this business has now allowed me to go serve my purpose now, which is to go serve, to, to go serve. And it's, um, I love it. Man, I love hearing that, man. So this business has basically allowed you to even find your purpose. That That, that is awesome because it sounds yeah. like you said at the beginning, you, you were just in it and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like you say, greed, you know, you, uh. you, you want it to self-improve. I mean, it's a, it's a natural, it's a natural instinct to want to think that way. So there's nothing wrong with that at all, man. Thanks for being so transparent with our audience. I'm sure folks needed to hear that. No, absolutely. And I, I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. So let me ask you this, man. What is, what is the biggest lesson that, that you've learned along the way? Oh, man, that you can't do this alone, that you need people, right? Um, what, what It's funny because I have it written on my wall wall here that it's the most important thing. If you want to go from six to seven figures and you're tired of this roller coaster of a deal, that you have to design systems for others to do their job better. That's my whole focus. So like I'm at a point now where I focus on leadership and culture, right? It's the, it's the 80, 20 rule stacked, right? Like I spend most of my time focused on that now and serving my people. Uh, you can, you know, that you know, the organizational chart that you see where it's like, Oh, the CEO sits here, you know, a manager sits here and you got all these people. I like to flip that chart upside down. I work for my people. My people work for the business. I might set the vision for the business, but I work for my people. I'm a servant leader. I'm here to serve them. I will do everything for them, but the job itself. So like if they're my callers, I will do everything in my power, get them a training, get them some resources, sit with them, coach with them. I'll do everything, but actually make the call for them, right? Because that's what they're brought here for. But it's my job to make them successful and to help them out in their life. Man, that that is awesome. That is one hundred percent awesome, and that's that that's obviously a, a great indicator on why you have such a successful business. Yeah, all right, the people, man, the I people, the people, guys. I like how he took that analogy of the pyramid, so to speak, and flipped it over. That is awesome. That is a great, great way to approach this business, guys. Your people will make you or break you. He, he said it, he, this is the second time he he's touched on that. Take notes. <laughs> Yeah, your people do, right? Like people are the ones that build the business. It really comes down to that. Um, you, you serve them and help them. And here's a here's a rule. If you want to really think about it, the fastest way to have an impact on your sellers, your buyers, your title company, attorneys, the vendors, it's all based on how you treat your people, your employees, right? You treat them rough, treat them hard, treat them any other way. That will reflect out with how they work with sellers. But if you treat them right, treat them with respect, provide that culture, right? Focus on the core values. They're going to bleed that out into the world. Absolutely. So that's my way of getting a mass impact to all the sellers and buyers at once without me physically being able to do it all is through the people. Absolutely, man. I love it, man. You're talking a lot about self-development and, uh, you know, and self-accountability. If you guys aren't picking up on that, make sure that, that you're listening. Take, you know, he's talking a lot about being, being the person that you need to be to, to be the leader of your organization. Even if it's just you and one other person or just you, you have to have particular principles that guide you and get you to where you're trying to go. Man, Sean, I want to iterate on, on what you just said there. Sure. Uh, whether you have people or even yourself, especially if you have people, but even if it's just yourself, you have to lead yourself first before you can lead other people. Great, so great. even when you're getting started, start leading yourself, start holding yourself accountable, start tracking your numbers, start, I, you know, I'm holding up a fun thing, but like start tracking your own habits, right? You have to lead yourself before you can lead others. 100% with you, brother. That is, that is right on point.
Vance, let me ask you this, man. What do you think your life would be like if you never got involved with real estate? I would probably still be a soft, uh, system software engineer stuck in a building, um, not growing and just going through the motion, right? I mean, I would be just going through life. Now it's different because real estate allowed me to find the business side, allowed me to find the, uh, the joy of helping others, allowed me now to consult and gave me the time freedom that everybody's looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it allows me and it really allowed me to grow as a person. Um, I, I mean, not, I have to attribute it to a lot of different things. Nice, nice, man. I love it. Let me ask you this. Um, is there anything that a new person should have in their mind when they're getting started? Is there one kind of thing that you would have told yourself at the beginning that you wish you, you know, if you would have known that when you got started? Oh, listen, there's, it's the three D's. Okay. Love the focus on this. You're going to have these three D's, but just be aware of them ahead of time and you'll know how to stop it in the tracks. The three D's are your doubt. You're going to doubt the system. You're going to doubt yourself. You'll doubt your mentor. You'll doubt the the market. You're going to put, there's going to be a lot of doubt and it's going to come in. And I want you to be aware of that when it comes in and be like, nope, this is just the fear setting in. This is just the doubt. I knew this was coming, right? And you push it and set it to the side. The other thing is going to be discouragement because you're going to fail forward. You're going to get told no. You're going to be told to, you know, pound sand or F off or all of these things. Okay. So you got to be ready. You're going to get discouraged. This may not be for you. It may not work. Get that out of your head, right? Know this ahead of time that it's coming. And then the one of the worst ones is distraction, right? You're going to come in here, might want to get into wholesaling and real estate investing. And then all of a sudden when it's not getting the momentum, right? Because, because of this whole like excitement starts to wear off. Now you want to go do crypto, Forex or drop shipping or I don't know, something else. And it's going to be a shiny object and it's going to distract you from this. Be aware of the 3Ds when you get started because they're going to be there and they're going to be around every step of the way, even as you try and scale. Pay attention to those and be aware. And then you will be able to move forward, persevere through the 3Ds. And I love it, brother. That was golden. That was golden. I hope you guys were taking notes, man. That was that was great, great advice. Great advice, especially for someone just getting started, even if you're 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 advanced. You got to keep that at the forefront of your mind at all times, guys. Bam, Vance, we have gotten to the part of the show that I like to call the rapid fire session. This is where I ask you one question and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right, let's do it. On a scale of one to 10, how strict were your parents? Oh, man, like an eight and a half. Get up early or stay up late? Man, lately it's been get up early. How many hours of sleep do you get? Seven. Favorite or last book read? Uh, Magic of Thinking Big. If you could be any superhero, who would it be? Man, I'm Batman. <laughs> Something everyone should do less of. TV. Something everyone should do more of. Reading. Bitcoin, bang or bust? Ooh. Bust. <laughs> if you had one wish, what would it be, Vance? Man, oh, one wish, what would it be? I, man, a wit. I don't know. I always, I've always made this joke, but my wife thinks it's a curse if I say this, but to, to live forever. Nice, nice. Yeah. 
Man, Vance, let me ask you this, man. Will people live on Mars in our lifetime? Not in our lifetime live on Mars, but I think we'll find life and there were uh, like be able to develop something with the way Elon Musk is doing stuff and, and others believing in that vision. I think it's possible, but I don't know about in our lifetime. Got it. Got it. Man, today's show has been phenomenal, Vance. I, I thank you. Thank you so, so much for your time. Are there any thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners out there before we wrap things up? Yes. So first, I want people to start taking massive, imperfect action, okay? There's these three words matter, okay? And here's what I mean. Massive means volume. Do a lot of it. Not a little, a lot. So it's not just action because people say be action-oriented. That's one aspect. Massive means volume. So much that success has to happen. And the reason why we care about imperfect is because there is no perfect plan. You're always ready enough. It doesn't matter. Uh, The perfect plan is the one that never gets executed. So massive, imperfect, just enough information, action. And that's the, the, the thing I'd like to leave people with. I don't care if you're on the fence, go get the mentor, go sign up with the coaching, go take massive action and get things done. Great advice, fans. Great advice. How can our audience reach you and get a hold of you for more direct information from you? Yeah, if you if you want, reach out, scalebysystems.com. Nice, nice. And I'll make sure to include a link of that in the show description as well. Vance, man, I definitely want to thank you again, brother, for coming on today's show and sharing so much valuable information with our audience. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you so much, man, for having me on. I really appreciate it. I love the energy that we bring here. Uh, happy to do it again any other time, brother. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to our listeners out there, you guys made it to the end of the show. So give yourselves a pat on the back because most people never finish what they start. And you just did. Now, if you got any value out of today's show, make sure that you share this with a friend or on your Facebook page, like the video, subscribe to our channel, and send us any topics you want to learn more about. So until the next episode, guys, you can catch me on any one of my social media platforms. I'll see you on the other side. With this crown on my head, I'm seated on the throne. The top is so alone. Only thing that keeps me gone is I know my city love me. I know my city love me.